Good morning, everybody. Well, uh, we got a call around, I don't know, 10, maybe 11 o'clock yesterday morning that Todd was not feeling well, and so Bobby Crotty had about 10 minutes of freak out about who was going to teach this morning, and then uh, he saw what the subject was and gave me a call, and here I am. So this is what you guys get this morning. My name's Adam Tarno. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you. That's awesome, man. I'll just pray we can go home. That, that, uh, that got my... My blood flowing this morning. So let me pray for us, and we're going to jump in and talk about this topic of stewardship this morning. Lord, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for these men and the way they have uh, committed to study your word and to do life together. And so I pray, Lord, that you will be here with us this morning, that your word will pierce our hearts and uh, change and um, move our relationship with money and possessions. And so we thank you, Lord, for the way that you love us. We thank you for how clear your word is about the way you want us to relate to this tool of money. And, uh, and so we pray that you'll uh, just move in our hearts this morning, please. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so we're gonna talk about stewardship this morning, week seven uh, of Summit here for you guys. And I'll just start off and just tell you guys some of my story. I moved here in 2002, uh, grew up in the Washington, D.C. area, went to school at Clemson University in South Carolina and got an accounting degree, and I was living in Atlanta from the time I graduated until right around 2002. Moved here in 2002 to go to seminary, and uh, we'll tell you guys some of my story just from a financial perspective, because it's going to relate to what we're going to talk about today. So when I moved here, this was my financial picture when I moved here. I was driving a 1993 two-door Saturn. Thank you very much. That was a... Uh, that was a that was a chick magnet car, and, um, and I was single when I moved here. So anyway, I had that two-door Saturn. I had about $20,000 in student loan debt. I had about $5,000 saved up in the bank, and I had no full-time job. I was going to be a full-time seminary student, and so that, that was my situation when I moved here. So I'd been here a couple of months, found Watermark literally right away. My first day in town here in Dallas, I was having lunch with John McGee and uh, met Blake Holmes and started hanging out with Blake in the single adult ministry and uh, so started hanging out here at Watermark, and after a couple of months of being here, I met a uh, young lady named Jackie, and I'd heard a lot about Jackie, and we started hanging out, and uh, we started dating, and everything was going great in that relationship. Jackie was, uh, she was, had an amazing heart, uh, character, loved the Lord. Um, she was pretty. She uh, laughed at my jokes. She liked peanut butter. I mean, just kind of had the whole list of all the things that I really was looking for. And then there was like this cherry on top, and the cherry on top with Jackie is that she was an attorney. And I don't know, you know, just super shallow confession. I really thought that this was Psalm 37.4 coming to fruition in my life, that if I delight myself in the Lord, that he will give me the desires of my heart. And so I was going to seminary to follow after the Lord, and he was going to bless me with a beautiful attorney wife. And so I just thought this was the way things were supposed to work. And so we started dating there for a while, and things were getting more serious, and we decided that we were starting to talk about the future and maybe getting married and had this conversation this one day, this one evening, where we were kind of sharing our financial background. And so I was really excited about this conversation because I thought I was about ready. You know, I thought I was dating a sugar mama. And so I uh, sat down and like, hey, let me tell you all of my situation. I got uh, this car. I got almost no money in the bank now because we've been dating a little while and I'd been using all that savings to live. And... Um, I'm going to be a pastor, and so I don't really know what financial prospects are going to be for me. And so that's my situation. What's yours? And so she told me what her salary was, and you know, uh, all I, I just believed at that moment that my parents had been lying to me about the world and what certain 
jobs make and all this kind of stuff because she was working for a nonprofit and uh, so she was an attorney, but she was not making a lot of money. So she told me how much she was making, and I was like, really, that's interesting. I thought that'd be your bonus. But anyway, and, um, and then she told me that the car that she was driving was a lease, and I was like, all right, whatever, you know, that's fine. And um, then she told me about, about $5,000 in credit card debt, and then she dropped the big bomb on me. She says, I have $100,000 in student loan debt. And I was like, man, that is different. That, that's what I was hoping the salary would be, right? I, I, I didn't want that to be the debt. And so we sat there and combined, you know, here it was, I thought she was gonna be sugar mama and I don't know if she thought I was gonna be sugar daddy, but it was very clear there was no sugar at all <laughs> in that relationship. And so we uh, just sat there and so combined $120,000 in student loan debt I was studying to be in full-time ministry and she was working in this nonprofit and so we did the logical thing, we got married. And so a couple of months later we got married and so what I wanna do is I wanna tell you guys the rest of that story and how we handled that through the book of Proverbs and there are really just five Proverbs that I wanna be able to share with you guys because as I went through and I was studying yesterday and thinking about what to share with you men uh, you know, there are five Proverbs that really did change our life and change our relationship with money and possessions. And so I don't know what story you have or what perspective you have or what your situation is and your relationship with money and possessions, but I know that this is one of those topics that is 100% relevant to all of us. And so every single one of us in here has some relationship with money and possessions. And scripture is incredibly clear that it wants us to have a healthy relationship with money and possessions. Jesus made it really clear in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter six that uh, our relationship with money and possessions really has nothing to do with numbers. It is a heart issue that we cannot both love God and love money. Jesus made it really, really clear that this is not just how things look on a spreadsheet. This has everything to do with what we think about God in our heart and our relationship with God. It's all wrapped up in money. In fact, it wouldn't be so far, or this is not an overstatement, I've heard it said that the number one competitor for our hearts, the number one competitor for our hearts is not lust or pornography or golf or fantasy football or uh, work relationships or things like that or how far we're going there. The number one competitor for our heart is money. But that's the thing that can uh, take our allegiance and, and move it off track more than any other topic or subject that you and I will face as we go through this life. So money is relevant to all of us. It's relevant to all of us. And so that's precisely why scripture has so much to say. So I wanted to share five Proverbs about how uh, God's word has impacted and changed my life and my relationship and the way Jackie and I uh, handled this situation, this financial crisis, the day we said I do, we were in a crisis. We, we had a negative net worth of $120,000 and we had to be able to deal with that. So the four principles there that were talked about on page 40 in your workbook, those, those principles, like I don't wanna gloss over those, but I also am not gonna spend time teaching through those. I, I assume you guys did the homework. I assume you guys read that. Those four principles over there on that left-hand page on page 40, the fact that God owns it all, therefore we are stewards so to be a steward means you manage somebody else's resources according to that person's, the owner's vision and values. We're not owners of anything, we're stewards of everything. That, uh, that we are to be trustworthy, we're to be found faithful in our stewardship and that all the stewards, all of us one day are gonna give an account of how well we stewarded God's stuff. So those principles really inform everything else that we're going to say throughout here. So the first proverb, let's just jump in. The first one that really 
impacted Jackie and I was Proverbs 22, seven. This says this, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. So we got married in December of 2003 and really just ignored our financial situation for the first six months. And so June of 2004, we show up at Watermark. It was still meeting over at Lake Highlands. Kyle Thompson, one of the elders at that time, was preaching a sermon on stewardship that morning. And he was just talking about the biblical perspective on money. And he got to Proverbs 22.7 and Jackie and I sitting out there in the audience, this verse, even though we had read it, so many times just became so relevant to us and it really summarized very well what we were feeling emotionally. Because after six months, that debt hadn't gone away and we just felt like it was this mountain, uh, this, this, this sleeping giant, if you will, in our apartment that we were just ignoring. And the, the word slave is exactly what we felt like. We felt trapped. We felt like we were in a prison. And so we heard Kyle talk about how we shouldn't want to be in that prison of debt and therefore we should come up with plans to try to get out of our debt. And so Jackie and I drove home that summer, 2004, got back to our apartment, broke out the laptop, started running some numbers with Microsoft Excel and got in there and started figuring out, okay, when, if we just continue to pay the minimum on this debt, when are we gonna be done? And that was one of the most depressing numbers we looked at in all of these numbers. I thought $120,000 was a depressing number. What was really depressing was the maturity date on all of that. The maturity date, if we just continued to pay the normal amount, we were gonna be out of debt in like 2030 is when we were gonna be done. We were gonna be in our 50s. And so we sat there and we looked at each other. We were in our late 20s at that time and we said, do we wanna be in this? Just, do we want this to be a part of our life until we're in our mid 50s? And we just said, no. So we just started saying, all right, what if we put this much and what if we put that much? What if we did that much towards it? And we got to a number that if I dropped out of seminary and if she left the nonprofit world, we came up with an idea that if we could put this much money every month towards our debt, we could be done in 2008. And so we looked at each other and we said, hey, what date do you wanna go after? Do we wanna go after 2030 or 2008? And so we just said, hey, let's break out of jail. Let's do this. That was the proverb that started it all for us. We don't wanna be slaves to this debt any longer. So which moves us in then, so now we had this, this plan. So this moves us into the second proverb that really impacted us and helped us. And it was Proverbs 15, 22. This one isn't about money uh, uh, specifically, but this is definitely one of those proverbs that, that applies to our financial situation and we'd be wise to follow. Proverbs 15, 22. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. So after we ran the spreadsheet and we realized, hey, there is a way that we could maybe execute this plan and be done in 2008, we basically had three options. Option one was I just stay in seminary, and when I'm done with seminary, I try to find a job, and then we just try to pay off that debt. That was option one. Option two was I drop out of seminary, and Jackie tries to find a new job, and we just try to, to make as much money as we can to throw as much money at the debt as we possibly could. So that was option two. And option three was like this, maybe we have a relative that's out there that we don't know about that'll die sometime soon and leave us a bunch of money. And so those were the three options. And so we really didn't know what option to do. We kind of had one that we were leaning towards, but what we decided to do was follow what Proverbs tells us to do. And we decided to widen the circle. And we said, hey, let's get some other people to speak into that. And so this proverb really changed our life and helped us with this. And so we got together with, I remember it was Jay Ranke, Brian Neitzel, and Blake and Rebecca Holmes. Those were the people that we went to. And so we just said, hey, can we get together with you guys one evening? And we drove over to the Holmes house and we sat in their living room and we presented all these options to them. And they all said, hey, if you're willing to make those changes, 
If you're willing to make those changes, we think option two. We think drop out, try to get a job, try to pay that debt off as soon as you possibly can. And so that wisdom that we received from the other counselors was so vital to us as we continued to be able to pay off this debt. And it was, you know, it is a complete and total game changer for us. And that's a principle that even now, you know, many years later that Jackie and I continue to do. And I am so grateful for how many times we've widened the circle when it comes to our financial situation. And, and uh, gone to people that we've loved or, or that love us and just say, hey, here's what's going on. Here's a decision we are trying to make, which I know for some of you probably sitting in this room, for some of you, you've heard, you've been around maybe Watermark for a while and you're like, yes, we've done that plenty of times. I get it. Proverbs 15, 22, I follow that. And you've been blessed by that principle. For some of you, that may sound like the most shocking thing in the world to sit down and talk with just somebody who's not a financial professional and just talk to somebody about your finances. But it is a game changer and it is part of God's provision for us. And the reason why this is not abnormal for us as followers of Jesus to talk about this is because it's not about the numbers. It's about our hearts. And so the reason we're in community with one another, the reason that we seek to love one another is so that we can shepherd one another's hearts. And if Jesus is right and money is more about our heart than it is about the numbers on the page, then why would we not talk about what may be the number one competitor for our heart? Why would we leave that off the table? Why would we not discuss that with other people? And so for some of us, just opening, uh, widening the circle can radically transform our relationship with money and with possessions. And so that was the second proverb that really changed us and continued to help us. So here we had this plan, and now let's move on and look at the, the next one. So I dropped out of seminary and got a, got a job back in accounting, and Jackie uh, left the nonprofit world. She went from being an attorney and found an organization downtown, a company downtown, where she went from being an attorney to being a legal secretary. And so here it is, she had this huge job title change, but it was a pay raise. And that was what we were looking for because we were looking for as much money as we could possibly get to throw at the debt. So then as we start paying off the debt, so now it's like January, uh, November 2004, we start making these first couple of payments, these aggressive payments. And we were faced with the decision of, okay, like how far do we want this to go? Like, should we save right now? Should we be generous right now? Should we just put as much as we can at the debt, and, and there, there were some decisions that we needed to make, and so Proverbs 11.25 was really helpful for us. Proverbs 11.25 says this, says, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. And so we had to face that decision of, hey, while we're aggressively trying to pay off this debt, should we continue to be generous? And I think most of us, if we really could say, hey, if I could control my financial world right now, what I would love to be able to do is save consistently, uh, give generously, and if I'm in debt, I'd love to be able to pay off debt aggressively. And Jackie and I were right there. So if we could do everything, that would be great if we could save consistently, if we could pay off this debt aggressively, and if we could give generously. And we decided that we could not do all three of those, that we could probably do two of them. And so we had to pick two. We could save and give, or we could uh, give and, um, and pay off aggressively, or just any combination of those. We just figured we could do two, and what we decided to do was we decided to be generous and, and be refreshed, and so we decided that we were going to pay off debt aggressively and continue to try to be generous, and I'm so grateful that we were able to do that, and so grateful for how many Proverbs there are encouraging us to be generous, because here's what we all know in our heart about generosity. It's just kind of the way we're wired. 
You, know, you can go all the way back to Genesis, the fact that we were uh, made in God's image, that all of us as men, we were made in God's image and God is a giver, he is generous. And so generosity, it's just in our DNA. And so what we need to remember about generosity is I love what Dave Ramsey says about it. it, it it's just, it's true. It is the most fun you will ever have with money is giving it away. It is way more fun to give it away and to bless others financially than it is to just accumulate and hoard and save for ourselves. And so we know that to be true. It is more fun to give than receive. So we read in Acts 20. And so it's the most fun we'll ever have with money. And the other thing that we know to be true is this, is that it is the only perfect financial transaction out there. It's perfect. Any other time money leaves your bank account, you're like investing it or uh, hoping that it'll maybe grow, but there's some risk or you're spending it and, and now that money's gone and there maybe are some goods or services that you've received in exchange for that, but that money is no longer in your possession. And so there's some risk anytime money leaves your bank account for investing or for spending, but with generosity, it's perfect. Yes, it leaves your bank account, but you gain from that. It's a perfect transaction. It's a perfect transaction, and so we need to be generous and continues to be, it continues to be for my wife and I, the most fun and the best thing that we do with our money. So we got out of that prison, we widened that circle, we continued to try to be generous, and so now we're just plodding along and we're just making these debt payments, just waiting for 2008 to show up, and there's where the fourth proverb that was really impactful for us shows up, and it's Proverbs 27, Verse 23 through 27, here's what he says. Be sure you know the conditions of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds, for riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. When the hay is removed and the new growth appears and the grass from the hills is gathered in, the lambs will provide you with clothing and the goats with the price of a field. You will have plenty of goat's milk to feed your family and to nourish your female servants. And so obviously this made a lot more sense and we have to kind of go from when that was written now here into the 21st century. But you know, in, a, in an agrarian culture, that verse or that passage makes a lot of sense. And what he's basically saying there is, hey, you gotta know the condition of your source of income. You gotta have your financial life in order. You gotta be able to know this because the riches do not endure forever. There are limited resources and so if you are not tracking your resources and if you don't know the condition of your resources, those resources can go away. It's not secure forever. Just because it comes into your house or into your checking account doesn't mean it's always gonna stay there. And so one of the number one tools that Jackie and I, what we had to do, we were forced to as we were paying off this debt is we just had to do the basic blocking and tackling of tracking our expenses, looking at our budget, setting the budget and looking at it. And that was not any fun at all. It was the worst part of paying off the debt was tracking all of that stuff. But it was the most essential discipline to be able to keep us moving towards our goals. And so as, I, as Jackie and I went through that experience and in the little bit of time that I spent here at Watermark leading MoneyWise and having conversations about uh, finances, personal finances with different families, here's the one thing I've never seen is I've never seen somebody accidentally achieve whatever financial goal they have. It never happens by accident. So whether it is you just wanna get things in order or you too are in amount of debt and you wanna be able to pay that off or you wanna start to be more generous or some other thing, you wanna start to think about the future in a different way, it never happens by accident. The dirty little secret is it only happens by setting a plan and being able to stick with that and picking a system. And so if you do not have a system, get one. That's how we can get things in order. You gotta be able to know what do you own, what do you owe, and where does your money go? 
It's not a tremendous amount of fun, but it is something that we have to be able to do. This process, this process changed our relationship with money and possessions, and it is one, by the grace of God, that we continue to do today. This continues to be a part of our habit of just being able to track all of this stuff. And so we've gotta be able to know that condition, the conditions of our flock. So we were breaking out of jail, we had the plan, we were moving forward, being generous, we're tracking everything, and we're just making those payments, just making them every month, every month, just plodding along. And then finally, in March of 2008, so we made that first aggressive debt payment in November of 2004, and then in March of 2008, about six months ahead of when Excel told us we would be done, uh, we made that last debt payment. I think, honestly, it's the only plan I've ever made that happened early was that, that debt repayment plan. And it was so fun and so freeing in March of 2008 to be able to write that last check and just go, we're done. We now, our net worth when we first got married was a negative $120,000. We are now worth nothing. <laughs> and that is an amazing feeling. Like it was just awesome to for the first time in my life, just be worthless, right? Just to, just to be worth nothing. And so the proverb, the last one that I'll share with you men this morning, the proverb that was so helpful, so helpful for us, and it, it is to this day, it is one of my favorites and one that I have to constantly remind myself of when it comes to my relationship with money and possessions is Proverbs 30, verses eight and nine. Here's what he says. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. And this is the line. Give me neither poverty nor riches but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you, God, and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. And so here, this is in the section, the sayings of Agar and, and this, the blessedness of just being in the middle, of not having so much that you're distracted because scripture is incredibly clear that if you have too many resources, it's a distraction. It's not a sin, it's just a distraction. So you can't have too much where you're just distracted and it just takes so much mental energy to manage it all. And, and there's this idea where he's just going, hey, I don't want to have so much that I'm distracted, maybe to the point where I go, God, who are you? I got, I got this fortified city over here, but I also don't want to have so little that I'm stressed of just wondering, how am I gonna pay the mortgage? How am I gonna pay rent? Where am I gonna get food from? There is something about being just right there in the middle, just having enough that is so freeing. And so now the goal for Jackie and I is just to steward well what God has given to us to be generous and to enjoy that gift of just being right there in the middle. And here's what, here's what I've noticed about this proverb, and I'll just close with this, is that this is the one here in verse 30, or chapter 30, this is the one that a lot of us nod our head at and it sounds good when we're reading. And this is the one that we would, maybe in a group of people, we would admit, yeah, that's, that's what I want. I don't wanna have so much and I don't wanna have so little. I wanna just be right there in the middle. But I think in our hearts, this is the one that really nobody wants to live. Is that it literally just looks good on paper. My, my experience is this, is that I think so many of us though, what we're looking for is we're looking for the loophole. We believe there's a loophole out there and we believe we're gonna find it. And what we think that loophole is, is we think there's a loophole where you can really have a lot and not be distracted. And you can also really love God at the same time. And so there, there are so many, I think, I, again, we would never admit it, but I think what we really think is that our goal is that I want to really love God and I also really want to love money. And what I just wanna remind us of and what scriptures wanna remind us of is this, is that there is no loophole. There's no loophole. 
Jesus made it incredibly clear. You cannot really love God and really love money. You have to pick one or the other. And so where we need to be is we need to be where we are choosing to really love God and quit chasing after that loophole because it's distracting and it can knock us off of our relationship with others and knock us off of our relationship with God. So those five Proverbs have been incredibly helpful for us and I love how many of them there are and Proverbs are so in, uh, informative and helpful for us as we think about our relationship with money and possession. So if you're in here this morning and you got debt, I just want to encourage you, like Kyle Thompson encouraged us back in 2004, to set a plan to try to get out of that and be free of that prison. If you're in here and you've never widened the circle and talked to people about your relationship with money and possessions, I encourage you to follow Proverbs 15:22 and widen that circle and have those conversations with people. If you're in here and you're not experiencing the perfect transaction, you're not having fun with money because you're not being generous, I encourage you to follow Proverbs 11 and start to be generous. And if you're in here and you're just, you don't even know what your financial condition is, everything's just a mess, I encourage you to get a system, know the condition of your flock. And if you're doing all of those, I just wanna remind you that there is a blessedness of being in the middle of not having so much that we're distracted and not having so little that we're stressed and just praise God that we have enough and to steward it well, amen? Amen, let me pray for us. God, we thank you. Again, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you uh, for the amazing gift that he's given to us, that we were in a debt, that our sin had created a debt, that there, honestly, there's no job any of us could ever have to pay off that debt. And that God, that you and your grace and your mercy, you sent Jesus to pay that debt on our behalf. And so spiritually, we are free. And we thank you for Jesus. And God, uh, for those of us in the room that are in some financial bondage, I pray that you will motivate them to, to get out of that prison. For those of us in the room that are just being stingy and we're not being generous, I pray that you will soften our hearts and help us, Lord, to steward the money and the resources that you've given us better. For those of us in the room, Lord, that we're just not being great stewards, we just don't even really know where things are, we don't know the condition of the flocks that you've entrusted to us, I pray that we will be more diligent and get a plan. For those of us in the room, Lord, that are just hiding we haven't talked about this with anybody. I pray that you will give us courage to open up and to share and to talk about this. And those of us in this room, Lord, that are looking for that loophole, I pray that you will keep our hearts just focused on loving you and not distracted by the riches that this world tries to promise us. And so we need help with that, Lord, and we ask that you will move in our lives and in our hearts. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.